Welcome to the Walpole High Film Festival's podcast, One Point Perspective, a podcast that explores the world of digital filmmaking and talks to young aspiring filmmakers in high school, college, and beyond. Now here are the hosts of the show, Mike Allen and James Conley. On today's episode, we'll be catching up with Mark Sheehan. Mark will be talking to us about his time in the Walpole High School Film Festival, his time in college, and his advice for any young, aspiring filmmakers. All right, we're here with the legendary writer, actor, director, Mark Sheehan of the Walpole High School Film Festival. First episode of the season. Welcome, Mark. Thank you guys for having me. Happy to be here. Glad to have you. So, I guess to start off, what year uh, did you graduate Walpole High? What was your last year in the festival? Uh, I graduated um, in 2015, so that was my senior year. And you went off to school, is that that's correct? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a junior at Hofstra University right now. All right, so we usually start off with saying, how did you get involved in the film festival? Did you go to the show before you came to high school, or did you, what do you remember, like... Before you started, like, I'm going to do that. I remember the first time I got involved with the film festival was when I was in eighth grade, Kelly Jo McCann wanted me to act in something for summer film. And so she brought me to the film room. And that's where I met everyone. When you were in eighth grade? Yeah. Was that the, like, Pineapple Express trailer that she was making? The fake trailer? Do you remember? It was, like, Triple Dog Dare over the summer. So, like, I was going into my freshman year. Got it. So I acted in her like first short for Triple Dog Dare, and that was like when I first saw the film room, and saw what everyone was doing. RT got me involved in Finals Day. That was my freshman year, and I was just happy to be acting in the festival. And then I figured that I wanted to try directing, and you told me that writers are the ones who get to direct. So I started asking RT and Jackie how to write, and yeah. I remember. The first time I remember Mark Sheehan being mentioned was in, I want to say, Hannah's project, The Ringer. You were freshman, I think, when she was doing The Ringer, or maybe it was finals day, I'm not 100% sure. There was a shot of, it was like a couple lines of dialogue, and it was like shot from way above, and I was like, what what is this? (laughs) And I was like, this has got to go. And uh, she's like, but that's Mark. And I was like, I don't care who it is. I was like, it's was, it just, go. was it just like me sitting in a corner crying? It was like you in a corner. Like, I want to say there was a couple lines or something like that. I was like, this is, what, is, what is this in there for? And she was like, I just remember her saying, but that's Mark. And I was like, I don't care who it is. You got to cut it. And she did. So I don't think you're in that movie. Okay. No, that was 100% finals day. Oh, yeah, okay. Also, finals day, I still have screen time. I'm one of the best friends. Okay. How do you not remember this? <laughs> I didn't remember cutting it and her being like, but that's Mark. And I was like, who, who cares who it is? <laughs> I just remember yeah. that moment. I wanted you to totally expunge from that entirely. <laughs> <laughs> we can still cut that. We can still cut yeah, that. Yeah, yeah I think on the website. director's edit, actually, I'm completely... I'm completely cut out. <laughs> the director, director's cut just cuts to black everything. Uh, yeah. And then, all right, so then I remember... Sophomore year, I remember. Um, yeah, I do remember you coming in with a screenplay. Yeah, giving the screenplay, and um, could, I remember it, like it was you and Brian, both. I think delivered the screenplay, and like RT gave it like your blessing. Like he was like, "Oh, these guys, these guys are good." 
or whatever, and working with that, working with Bacall, right? I put, I gave Bacall, yeah, the script. Right? Yeah, that's true. But that's also not how. That was not the first thing that I wrote for you. Okay. Because my freshman year, I came to you with something called The Professionals for a short. Right. And you were like, this is a good idea. Make it longer. And then that's like when you told RT and Jackie to help me out. Okay. I don't know if you remember that, but that was like we started writing Cleaners like my freshman year. Okay. And that ended up being The Cleaners. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But that's, we're jumping ahead there, right? But first, human behavior. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah. I uh, thought we were still talking about, like, first. Yeah, I do, I do remember that and been putting it on, on hold. So human behavior, an ensemble piece with, like, a, a bunch of sophomores, right? And you had Bacall. And walk us through that process of... Uh, we have a lot of sophomore crews now, and they kind of look at the movies that directors do their senior year, and I'm like, well, you got to understand that when they were sophomores, they, they made all sorts of mistakes and stuff like that. So what do you remember from that film? I remember, most importantly, from our sophomore film, we were really excited to start, and at the end of the day, when you're making a sophomore independent, that has to be the most important thing to you, is like just starting to figure out what it's like to shoot a movie because that was every day for us was figuring out why we couldn't shoot a certain angle or why we needed actors to be a different way or why we needed costumes or why we needed scheduling. I mean, everything, honestly, everything was a mess. Like you, it's, that's, that's the way it is for a lot of sophomore independence. And there have since been incredible sophomore independence. From a film perspective, it was there was a lot of learning and a lot of mistakes. Like pretty much everything we did in hindsight was a mistake, but also that was like one of the most fun times we had was like kind of running around with the camera, just having some good laughs and yeah. The two pieces of advice I always give sophomore films is have fun and get it made. And just finish the movie. Yeah, the get it done. Mm-hmm. Trial by fire but kind of. I do remember, right the one thing I remember from Human Behavior is I went down, first off, you guys had a casting call, if you remember that. Oh, yeah, we did. They had a casting call, I'm like, what is this? And we got a huge <laughs> and they got a turnout. Huge, and I just remember them, like, what they had, like, clipboards, they were like, next, it was like, this big deal, and like, uh, but, and they talked about, like, the casting, but the biggest decision they made that day was what fruit they were going to be. Like, Mark had written out... <laughs> He's like, and they oh were like debating God. between like these three fruits and, and they, they, I think they like flipped a coin. It's like, this is it. We're going to flip this. It's going to be this one. <laughs> Went on for like 20 minutes. They decided which fruit they We pick. actually, in my basement the other day, we found the fruit coin. <laughs> and it's one side of it is cloudberry and the other side is actually rambutan. Yeah. Rambutan. Yeah. Yeah, when they ended up going with Cloudberry. They, they spent, that was pretty funny. The other thing I remember about that production, there was, for a while, a saying that came from that production. Remember? Don't keep the robot. Again, mistakes happen. Right, so that they uh, spent forever building a robot and like all this stuff and, and, and from the montage. 
And it might have been Bacall's like idea, because Bacall can come up with some pretty crazy ideas. I mean, I don't want to throw blame at anyone here, but there was definitely more than one voice that wanted the robot in the film. Yeah, and I was like, what is this robot? I was like, that's gotta go. And they're like, oh, you can't keep the robot. It took us forever to make it. And I'm like, oh man, I think you guys kept it though. We did, there's a single two second shot of a robot where uh, Jesse Jones actually makes robot noises and that right. plays under it. And there's absolutely no other reference or explanation to it whatsoever <laughs> for the rest of the film. <laughs> That's a sophomore right there. Yeah, keep, yeah. But you can't be a perfectionist. Yeah. You're, you're a sophomore year. You really yeah. can't be yeah. a perfectionist. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Does it frustrate you that you're unable to get good grades despite putting no effort whatsoever into your classes? Is your passionate love for learning impeded only by your absolute lack of motivation and any inborn talent. Well, it sounds like you might be interested in the Try Hard Box. The good people at Try Hard Box every morning deliver a box to you filled with completed homework, pens, pencils, glue, erasers, staplers, paper clips, objects that you don't know the use of because you've never bothered to pull them out of your bag before. Along with the box, you'll also receive a list of insightful questions that you can ask in class to make it seem like you're capable of stringing together two coherent thoughts. Try hard box. Try hard without trying at all. Enter promo code. Well, okay, we know you're probably not gonna bother remembering that because uh, you're not writing anything down now, are you? So just mash your hand on the keyboard. I'm sure that'll be fine, whatever letters come in. Uh, you might also be interested in our promo code box uh, for those who are incapable of entering promo codes. We will send you a small man who will enter the promo code for you. Try hard box. Try hard without trying at all. To receive an additional 20% off and free shipping on your order, use the sponsor link found on the podcast page of our website, whsfilmfestival.com. Then coming into junior year, you were like laser sharp. I keep trying to hit that home with screenwriters and directors, you know, get inspiration, watch, watch film, you know, and you were inspired by uh, American Psycho. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, you essentially wanted to make something like that. I mean, first of all, after human behavior, I just like, I caught the bug. So I was, I was, I don't know if you remember, but I was writing a ton of different scripts after human behavior leading up to Carmichael the next year. I think I actually stumbled into your room one day, like really confused for no reason. And E. Ryan and Pete Hegler were there and uh, they had this script called Backpacks. You were just talking to them about what direction to take it in. And so yeah, then American Psycho was like really a big, uh, a big inspiration behind, you know, that, that story about kids obsessed with backpacks and this whole, commentary we wanted to do on on preppy high school kids and what they could get away with and that was like a really cool story to work on it was definitely like a cool movie again focused the whole way through incredible art direction in that movie you were great in that movie acting in that movie Thank you. uh and really like you pete and e ryan both were like good yang see your yang you know oh, like definitely. they kept you balanced definitely e, e ryan for sure was uh 
she definitely kept me balanced more than anybody else. And Pete is a really, really smart, smart oh, dude. So oh, yeah. he's like, you know, I'm still in touch with the both of them a lot. And BK was, you know, BK was DPing that. And like the four of us were just always on the same page about everything. That was what was really special about that process. For Carmichael, I was on the Academy that year, I remember. And I remember watching it and thinking, this is, like, these kids are paying attention to all of the little things. Like, everybody knows that making a film, especially in high school when you get all this other stuff going on, it's a huge time commitment. But that was one of the first movies I was like, these guys are really paying attention to all the finer details. And um, it definitely came through and paid off, and it looked great in the end. And that was junior year, so when I heard that you were senior next year I was pretty pretty excited for that to see what you would come up with that's how impressive that movie was I remember people being I remember Mr. Han literally saying he was so well, he's in that movie so of course he's gonna like it even yeah, more but yeah, and, and he really liked the movie and he was like he, I was talking to him after school one day and he's like, who, he's like who's gonna be your Mark Sheehan next year <laughs> and I'm like Mark Sheehan <laughs> I was like oh that was yeah, junior year I'm like he's gonna be a senior next year that it felt like a senior project. He just wanted another role. Uh, yeah, that's that's, ex- why that's exactly that. right. Uh, <laughs> we also had some... I, that's one of the movies why we moved, though it took us a couple years to do, we moved to dual audio because of all the audio issues that you guys ran into with that. And long story short, and even though you guys did, did everything right, there was a lot of unusable dialogue. And they, we had to do a lot. Like, I'd say 40% of that was we had to re-record through the Zoom, like, and, and we made it work. I mean, it looks good. Like, I remember the Mr. Scott stuff looks, like, spot on. Remember that? Yeah, he came in. yeah. I was like, oh, this is such a pain. And, and But it sounded so much better that I was like, we got to make the move eventually mm-hmm. over. That was a huge pain to do that, and you're right. I think definitely at least 40%, maybe pushing even 50% of at least my lines, maybe even. That was my first time getting truly screwed over by audio and I mean that that really did kind of scar me with audio for the rest of um for the rest of my film career but uh you know I just boom up this past weekend so uh it's it's always fun to like confront your fears in that way (laughs) (laughs) it was also your first collaboration with the great Mr. Tassoni (laughs) oh my god it was you're right and that was uh that was a that was a huge role for him. He, he <laughs> really crazy. like he was in character the whole time. I love it. You wrote four or five scripts for your senior year. I think the hard part was like choosing what you were going to direct. Choosing what I was going to direct my senior year was definitely difficult because I had so many options. That whole writing process, I think, was the weirdest and most challenging for me because I was a senior, so things felt different. Because now I was like the oldest at the school, like. I didn't have people like Pete and E on my crew to like look up to and like listen to all the time. So I was trying to figure out what to do. I had written my own shrink and I was happy with it. Uh, but also I had written the Tyler problem and Alan, uh, you told me in an email uh, and I quote, this is the worst script I've ever read. Stop sending me material. Don't ever do this again. Don't even try and write words down on a page until you've pitched it to me. <laughs> All right, well, that is true. <laughs> and um, <laughs> that's <is> a fact. <laughs> so, no, that was the first draft of the Tyler Problem. That's correct. Which was like a 
serious movie. It wasn't. It wasn't a comedy. That's true. And, <laughs> and it was. It was. It wasn't good. I think part of it was like you wrote a great script, My Own Shrink, and I was like, this is awesome. And then uh, you know, I thought that whole thing was ready to go. And then you wrote. And, you wrote this without pitching it, uh, and it wasn't. I didn't think it was any good. And I was like, all right, he's gonna get off. Like, he's gonna get off topic here. He's not gonna focus on my own shrink. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you gotta pitch your movies because I can't be like reading stuff that's junk, you know, out of the blue. <laughs> the end result though was that you and I think Brian, his name was on the script originally, but um, no, they, Jackie. It was you and Jackie. But you guys went back and made it into a comedy and sent it in again. <laughs> and I did read it. And I, and I was like, this is great. It made the parts that didn't work really work. And it was funny as hell. And I was like, all right, this is great. But I still wanted you to do my own shrink. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe we can give this yeah. to someone else. Yeah, I could tell that. I mean, even from when you said that you liked Tyler Prom, you were like, good. Yeah, maybe it can be produced in the, in the festival this year. I think also I wanted to try working with actors without being on screen myself. I mean, you said today, you know, looking back at that, that was a mistake. Mm-hmm. What did you, you know, directing two movies? Mm-hmm. Because basically you had to give all your attention to one and, and then it's all about communication. I think there was a communication breakdown. I think it was a mistake because I was so focused on, I guess, pulling everything out of the festival that I possibly could and getting as much experience as I possibly could uh, instead of being able to settle down and say, I love this story. This year is going to be about this story. Um, So it did kind of divide my mind a little bit. And I do love both of the final products. And I don't think really that any of them, that either of them are bad. Uh, I just think that having to bounce between two different crews is not something that is easily done. It's funny because one crew was always working. You know, that My Own Shrink was such a good crew and they ne- there was never any downtime and, they, and it was such a hard movie to make and it's impeccably done. And then Tyler Problem's a lot looser. Mm-hmm. But it, you lucked out, I think, you know, with uh, Mazzo and, and, and Rocco. Mm-hmm. Just, they nailed it and... It's hysterical and it's tight. And I, what I really like about Tide Problem is, is how short, short it is. Short, yeah. and, it, and that really had us focus. Like, we got to get these scripts down. Like, you did one script that was 30 minutes. Yeah. And then once in one that's like 19. Yeah. And I think, I think that was also an, another reason that directing two different films was so difficult that year was, like you said, there was one crew that, you know, was working all the time. Maybe because I was harping on them all the time too, because like I felt that that movie was so serious. Um, and you can even ask like Cody McCann and Jackie Gately what it was like on set or anybody from that crew really. We were wired in the whole time. Like we were not joking around very much on set because that's just, I don't know, we just felt we had to do that. And then Tyler Problem, you know, that was total opposite set. Like we were improvising stuff. We were, we worked with so many great actors. Rocco was, I think the diamond in the rough that year, like no one knew that kid could act and he nailed it. Mazada, I really wanted to work with again. I wasn't sure if he could do something different than Carmichael, but he, he was hilarious too. 
We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hi there, this is Roger DeLuca, owner and proprietor of Urban Groundfitters. If you want to make sure that your wardrobe communicates a total indifference to the world around you, usually seen only in some of the lower forms of life, such as the sea cucumber or the starfish, Urban Groutfitters has the outfit for you. Our warehouses are filled to the brim with over 100,000 different varieties of seemingly identical sweatpants and sweatshirts. Our expert tailors can assemble any combination of these in any possible shade of gray or blue that you could desire. For the adventurous, we can even throw in a touch of white. If you're worried that the color alone will not communicate clearly enough that you've completely given up on life, our tailors can also hand smear a variety of stains onto your outfits, be it ketchup, mustard, crusty mayonnaise, applesauce, you name it, we can smear it on there. We'll even make sure to dress you as we realize you will not be changing out of this outfit anytime soon. So come on down to Urban Groutfitters, where our motto is, I guess this'll do and it doesn't really smell that bad. Enter promo code SWEATS for a $20 discount off items from the Midnight Thunderstorm line of Champion Sweat Apparel. receive an additional 20% off and free shipping on your order use the sponsor link found on the podcast page of our website whsfilmfestival.com I think we'd be a little remiss if we didn't mention that because I, I forgot that your sophomore year you did another film too you, you actually acted in another movie right? I did I did, <laughs> I did. and this would be the legendary The Door is that right? I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say that, yeah, human behavior wasn't the only project that I was working on that yeah. year. That, that, the door, the after, the after effect of the door has been like, it's funny that you, your sophomores and juniors that year, like I think you in particular have being involved in that movie and then seeing that the movie didn't get made and largely because the crew you know wasn't on task and you know uh, i think that you, that really affected you next the next year like you guys were really on task and i think that some of the crews don't know that and like don't realize that you let that time slip by and it could all come crashing down yeah i think it kind of influenced that sort of laser focus that i had coming in the next year because in some ways, I was more excited for The Door than I was for Human Behavior. I was really excited to be playing that part. Obviously, I was a little heartbroken about, about the news. I just kind of didn't want to see that happen to anything else that I worked on in the future. And so I kind of fell into like Pete and E's lap because those two are already two super laser-focused people. That transition from sophomore year to junior year was, was awesome for the mistakes that I learned from and from the new people that I collaborated with. One thing that I want you to talk about that I think you in particular could probably speak to better than, than most is that you really struggled after, during senior year and, and going forward, whether or not to go to film school or just go out and try to, to make it. Definitely. 
my college film career has been tumultuous, but you know, I, as you just mentioned, my senior year, I was back and forth about if it was a good idea or not, if it was worth the money. You know, I was talking to you, I was talking to a couple other teachers here. I just wasn't sure really what the best option was, partially because, you know, in high school you're stuck in this kind of suburban bubble and you don't have that really taste of the real outside world yet. And so for that reason, and because, you know, my mother wanted me to go to college, I, uh, I went to Hofstra University. Uh, I ended up shooting a film there my first year, whatever. The entire time I was there, really, though, during my freshman year, I hated it. I wanted to get out. I thought that their film program was a joke. I was asking people, you know, don't you know who I am? I came from Walpole Film Festival. <laughs> Apparently, people had no idea what this stuff was back here, but for all intents and purposes, I really felt like this festival gave me a lot heading into college, and I was not really willing to relearn some stuff. And so I, that kind of left a sour taste in my mouth after freshman year. So my sophomore year, I said, you know, I'm just going to get out of the country. I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to get away from Hofstra, get away from everything that's kind of holding me back right now. And I went to FAMU in Prague, studied there for a semester. And studying film for a semester abroad was uh, probably the best decision I ever made. That completely changed everything for me. I had an excellent opportunity there, got to shoot on film, got to collaborate with people from all over the, U the US and people from all over the world, got to just see what it was like in Europe and how film is in Europe and how teaching film is in Europe. That was really, really, really a cool experience that was you know, totally opposite from Walpole Film Festival. When I got back to Hofstra at the end of my sophomore year, I said, okay, that was awesome, and Hofstra's nothing like Prague, so I'm gonna transfer. And I tried really hard to transfer out of Hofstra. After eight to 10 applications and looking at some schools and, you know, looking at what I was gonna have to be doing to change schools, where I was gonna be living, it just wasn't worth it, so I ended up staying at Hofstra, even though I was very, very close to, to transferring to Boston University uh, before this year, uh, before fall of 2017. I got back to Hofstra because I, did, I decided not to transfer, and I got back to Hofstra, and since then, everything's been great. I mean, I've, like, I've met the right people. I've been on the right projects. I've really, really expanded my... Uh, my network and who I've collaborated with. And I think that at the end of the day, my advice would be that uh, film school is really worth it because of those connections and because of the ability to really increase your network and engage with your network like you've never been able to before. I mean, you'll be at the School of Communications at your university and you're around like hundreds of film students who are also there every hour of the day. That's not gonna happen even if you live in, even if you decide to uh, you know, move into the city and try and do some freelance work. You're just not gonna be around that many people who are trying to do the same thing. And if you look hard enough, after a while, you'll find the people who are equally as passionate about this stuff as you are. Even if the money's a problem, like I just, I really think that the, uh, 
the connections and the opportunities in college are honestly priceless. That's good advice. Yeah, that's I agree with that. The connections are probably the probably the best thing, and that's going to last you, you know, for the rest of your film career, most likely. Um, mm-hmm. Will be the people that you're meeting now, and what doors you guys can kind of open together. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And uh, with that, talk about uh, you're doing some some exciting stuff now, and trying to again with the right group of people. You're you launched a YouTube channel. Yeah, a few of the people I've met at Hofstra have um, really liked the idea of exposing what it's like being a student filmmaker and uh, trying to kind of show the world what we do that they don't get to see. We always have this joke about, you know, what your uncle asks you at Christmas, and he's like, oh, like, are you still making movies? And really, like, your family and friends who don't get it, they really only get to see the final products. That's kind of a shame because there's so much work that goes into making that product that just nobody will ever be able to understand. And that's something we really, really, really want to show. And so the name of the channel is called The Process because it's, you know, it's all about the filmmaking process. So uh, if you guys follow at The Process Official on Instagram, there's updates about new episodes every week and uh, some behind-the-scenes photography, some cool setups we have. Um, just really trying to like show what we've been up to between a group of like six people who kind of collaborate pretty often. Far out, and Baby Tracy is one of those. Baby Tracy is one of those stars. Yeah, nice. And there's one a of lot the of Baby Tracy fans out there. Yeah, you know he's a uh, he's trying to kick the whole the whole baby thing. Uh, oh, Bri- cool. I'm sorry, Brian Tracy. Yeah, that's already <laughs> already lost his roots. Right. Yeah, he's well, he's got a beard now. So <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> Trying to kick the bearded Tracy. <laughs> uh, uh, that's awesome. We ask before we leave. We're gonna ask all the uh, alum that come back to do the podcast, uh, along with you know the college versus you know going into the industry and all that stuff and that advice. Uh, a little bit about your taste in movies, and I asked you before to think about what three Hollywood films would you recommend that uh, these young student filmmakers at Walpole High watch and learn from? I'd have to say that three films I really felt I learned the most from are Blue Valentine, Her, and The Godfather. Very good. And the other question was, what three film festival movies that you were not involved in any way would you recommend the kids watching? That's easy. Uh, Cranberries, Crusade, Serious Student, and Albie, hands down. Love it. Definitive list right there. That's great. I love it. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, Mark Sheehan. Thanks for coming in, Mark. Uh, Thank you guys for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to One Point Perspective, Walpole High School's number one podcast. For those interested in attending this year's 16th annual film festival on May 8th and May 10th with the red carpet on May 17th, find out more information at our website, whsfilmfestival.com. You've been listening to Walpole High Film Festival's podcast, One Point Perspective.